0: AG here on the Belief Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. The NFL season is in full swing and you might not be at the game this year, but you could still be in on the action at Bet Online. Five and five week this week. Not great, even when it was all said and done. Big Monday night for us to recover, especially hitting on those underdogs. But as always, we are looking to improve this week. 71 43-2 and two overall record on this show. That's all courtesy of BetOnline.ag. From game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than any place online, and there's always the online casino as well. It never closes. So at to BetOnline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's BetOnline.ag today and sign up today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. What is up? How is everyone doing? I'm fantastic. Thank you for asking. Victory Wednesday, everyone. Four in a row for the G-Men. I am your host, Steven Tino Rodriguez, as always. And you can check us out on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, and of course, the Believe website, BLEAV.com. Like, download, read, and subscribe. Be sure to also follow us on Twitter, at NYFootballPod, as well as myself, at Tino Rodriguez, like I just said, it is Victory Wednesday, everyone. First place for the New York Giants. They are still streaking four in a row for a Big Blue. And we're going to dive right into that. We're also going to touch on the Jets tanking in a textbook fashion. Army and Navy set to square off this weekend. And we'll touch on Rutgers. But before we do, let me just remind you that my good friend, Benny Ricciardi, will be here as he is always every week as a part of the FTN Network and FTN Bets. Benny will join me and help me break down the week 14 gambling lines, and we will look to find some early value. Still, no losing weeks on this show with Benny here. We went 5-5. Five and five. That's the closest we've gotten. So we're going to look to recover. This is a winning show, 71-43-2 and show record. But this being a winning show, let's talk about the winning team. For a second straight week, the Giants, in first place of the NFC East, hit the music. Music <laughs> So, just to touch on it again, because I can't get enough of saying it, the Giants, four games in a row, they are rolling. Second longest winning streak in the NFL, and they remain in first place of the NFC East, despite Washington winning on Monday night, following their 17-12 win over the Seattle Seahawks, and this game was a tale of two halves. The Giants team that we saw in the first half was completely different from the team that we saw in the second half, but there was one constant, and that constant was the dominant elite performance by the defense throughout the entire game. And let's start with how the game opened up and how the defense set the tone for this team immediately. Seattle opened the game on a 9-play, 60-yard drive, brought the ball all the way down to the 13, and we're doing everything we were pretty much worried about as Giant fans. Getting the ball to Tyler Lockett, running the ball, getting Chris Carson involved. Russ was making smart reads, but this defense bent but did not break, brought him down to the 13, three plays from the 13, not a single yard gained, and held the second best red zone offense in the NFL to three points, which doesn't seem like much, but it was huge at the time. Huge held him out of the end zone and would continue to hold him out of the end zone and not budge for about four quarters. The only other points that came in the first half from either side came in the final minute on a blocked punt safety, which actually turned out to be the best case scenario for the Giants, who were about to give Seattle a short field and most likely another three points on a field goal. So then they go down 5 nothing at half, despite not getting any help or any production from the offensive side of the ball. And I guess production isn't exactly the right term because on the second possession of the game, Big Blue did put together arguably their best drive of the game, an 11-play, 58-yard drive that was halted by a red zone interception. Now, depending where you stand on the line with Evan Ingram, You'll either put the blame on Colt McCoy's throw, which I guess could have been lower more towards the sideline, which is fair, or you're like me, who's absolutely fed up and I'm not making excuses on the throws anymore. And I don't care how many film breakdowns you guys put together on how the throw could have been better and this, this, and that. It hit his hands. It hit both his hands. And for some reason, every drop this man has is unlike any other drop in the NFL. He plays volleyball. Every time he drops the ball, he doesn't just knock the ball to the ground. It's a worst-case scenario every time he drops the ball. He literally hits it 20 feet into the air like a fair catch on a punt, and these cornerbacks can just get under it. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. He drops every other ball thrown his way, and Sunday reflected exactly that. He led the team with eight targets. He caught only four of those passes for 32 yards. Sure, he moved the chains with some big catches at times, but this guy's a pain in the ass. I mean, we can't continue to give him these opportunities. I say it every week. Ingram sits alone at the top of the NFL with the most dropped passes with nine and holds a strong 10.7 drop percentage. And that's not to mention, according to Pro Football Reference, Ingram ranked second worst with five interceptions off passes he was targeted on. And I know for a fact there's a fumble in that that's not included, and they definitely left about two others out. He does not drop the ball like a normal person, and I'm worried that it's going to get to the point... Where if we don't move away from this, he's going to cost us a game during this winning streak. During an important stretch game here in the Final Four. I get it. We need him moving forward. He's our best downfield threat. Sure, that's all great and dandy. But this guy is a thorn in our side. And an enigma. And I don't understand what his deal is with catching passes and knocking them into the air so the other team could pick them off. But that almost costed us big. costed a seven it definitely costed us a tie game and three points there so could have changed things definitely did change things for a little bit there but we bounced back and we bounced back in a big way without passing i think they realize it's best especially with colt mccoy we don't even pass the ball and in the second half the giants came out with their nuts showing and laid their sacks on the table primarily at the line of scrimmage with both the offense and defensive lines Andrew Thomas, Will Hernandez, both played arguably their best game as pros and helped power this team to 190 rushing yards as a team, continuing a streak of seven consecutive games for the New York Giants with over 100 rushing yards. And and this was yet another team victory. It wasn't just one guy, not one quarterback, not one running back, not one receiver, not one lineman. Without their starting QB, this team rallied together and got the job done collectively. Wayne Gallman softened them up. Alfred Morris put them away. And no one makes more old man jokes about Alfred Morris than me, but he played huge on Sunday for us. Gallman carried the ball 16 times for 135 yards, including a massive 60-yard run behind a sexual wall of blockers from Caden Smith all the way down to the two-guard pull in Lemieux, And Zeitler, I mean, everyone blocked well on that play. Andrew Thomas fell off his block and was hauling ass. If Darius Slayton did the bare minimum on the opposite far end of the play and got in front of Jamal Adams, it's a touchdown. All he had to do was get hands on him, get in front of him for a half second, freeze him up, it's a touchdown. But it's all right, we put him away. Morris put him away. Finished with only eight carries for 39 yards and a rushing touchdown. And then added an all-but-conclusive second touchdown on the receiving end of things, on a six-yard play-action pass from Colt McCoy, his only touchdown of the day. But behind this running game, the Giants scored 17 unanswered points. And it remained unanswered until midway through the fourth, even more. And they arguably held off the once-NFL passing touchdown leader out of the end zone for the entire game if it wasn't for a fluky Chris Carson passing touchdown there at the end. But again, A team win, and not enough can be said about this defense. And the game plan, Patrick Graham put together. This man had Russell Wilson shook at the line of scrimmage. Pre-play, post-play, no idea what was going on. I mean, I've never seen him this shooken up. The Giants had five sacks, an interception, and a fumble recovery. Two of those sacks, from Leonard Williams. Now eight on the season, and he needs to be paid. Another came. From Jabril Peppers, who played out of his mind. He's been playing at a Pro Bowl level, possibly an All-Pro level. And lit up Chris Carson and just ran through him and took down Russell Wilson in a very Jamal-esque fashion. And I don't want to compliment Jamal Adams. I do know he leads safeties in sacks, but shout out to Tate Crowder, Mr. Irrelevant, on his first career sack. That was another of the five. And while we're at it, rookie Darnay Holmes on his first career pick. From Darnay to Tate Crowder, the Giants, even Carter Coughlin, the Giants are getting impact. Out of this rookie draft class, and it's absolutely insane. Cam Brown on the field seeing snaps. McKinney only saw six snaps, but wait until we utilize McKinney. I mean, seriously, not enough can be said about how this coaching staff led by Joe Judge is utilizing the players on this team. And they're coaching to the strengths of these players. And it's something we share on this show all the time, but not enough can be said about it because it's clearly making an impact and you're starting to see the results in a very quick way, in a very important way for this team. And that's large in part for the reason I have no worries in this upcoming matchup against Arizona. The Giants open as two and a half point underdogs. It's exactly what I love to hear, good. And if that line goes up to three, three and a half, it'll just be stealing money. The Giants should win this outright. There's no doubt in my mind. They should easily shock the world again. Won't be as shocking, but they'll shock the world. The Arizona Cardinals have now dropped three games in a row and are dealing with an injured Kyler Murray who's struggling with his shoulder injury. And he had three touchdowns last week, and he came up bigger against the Rams. Sure, that's all great and dandy, but he was held in check, and he's been held in check during this three-game losing streak. And I think the Giants will have a similar game plan to what the Rams had, to what they used against Seattle, and they'll be able to hold off this Cardinals offense as they did Seattle and keep Kyler Murray in check just as they did with Russell Wilson. Especially when you have the luxury of putting someone like James Bradbury on your top guy and DeAndre Hopkins, and just knowing more often than not we'll win that matchup and Kyler's going to have to beat us with someone else, whether that be Christian Kirk or Andy Isabella or Dan Arnold. I'll live with those guys. I'll even take a Kenyon-Drake game. But if we take D-Hop out of this game, there's no doubt in my mind the Giants should win this one-handedly and ultimately make a statement in this division race. But let's switch over to the Jets now. And, well, guys, we were really close to talking about a Jets win. Actually, so close, it was five seconds away. And then they remembered they're supposed to be the losing team, and they lost in a textbook, textbook tanking fashion. If you haven't seen it yet, the Jets battled back to take the lead 28-24 to late in the fourth quarter and almost held on. But with the ball at midfield, Greg Williams decided to do what he has done in the past. It didn't seem so deliberate. There has been film that he does this before, but Greg Williams dialed up A zero blitz leaving his corner on an island one-on-one with Henry Ruggs, who just absolutely dusted him for the game-winning touchdown as time expired. The Jets were actually playing football, is what I want to say about this game. Adam Gase dialed up his best opening game script possible, and it worked. It bought the Jets an immediate 7-0 lead. 12 plays, 74-yard drive, capped off by a Jameson Crowder touchdown, and he would add another touchdown in the first half. And aside from two first-half fumbles, Sammy looked good. Darnold was playing hard, running harder. The guy fought for a hard nose rushing touchdown there in the fourth quarter that helped him get back into that game and cut it to a three-point lead. Lowered his shoulder. I mean, I mean, he looked like the player we've talked about, that we've heard about, that we thought the Jets were getting. And I think my biggest takeaway, and I know it's easy to harp on the decision for the zero blitz and all that, it's just funny to me. That the Jets are now tanking for Trevor, right? They, they still have no wins. They're going to be the 1-1. They're set in stone there pretty much, unless for some reason they have another anomaly, which is not going to happen this week, but potentially beat another team, which I just don't see, and the Jaguars somehow just decide to not be competitive, which they've been every week. But yeah, they're tanking for Trevor, and you won't find a single person that says Sammy is the problem. Sam is not the problem. Or they also won't say that he won't be successful anywhere else. A majority of the people think Sam Darnold can still perform. And yet the Jets are the Jets. And so they lose the game. And naturally, there's a lot of questions on Gase on how he blew that game. And so on and so forth. What happened? In a true Gase fashion, he blames everyone but himself. Of course, as he should, right? As what Adam Gase does. And then took it a step forward. And the next day, fired Greg Williams. As a result of the blown coverage call. Which of course makes perfect sense. Fire the only guy that has anything working on this team. All the while, Gase gets to stand up there proudly at 0-12 like it's everyone else's fault but his. And so, Greg Williams gets shipped off off the island. He gets sentenced away like this survivor. As a result of this play call. But he did all Jets fans a favor. You stand alone at the 1-1 despite Adam Gase's best efforts. Now, what doesn't make sense to me is that is quarterback your biggest need? Are you going to get enough value out of Sam? Probably not. Probably not. But you're going to have to take Trevor. Or if you trade back and keep Sam, are you going to get enough value out of that 1-1? I'd like to think Joe Douglas can figure that out. But I'm not sure that's where this is headed. I don't know where this is headed. (laughs) The fact that Adam Gase is just going to watch this thing burn to 0-16 has my head in a swirl. And they're going to 0-13. The Giants beat the Seahawks last week. That was great. Seattle remains at home as 13 and a half point favorites against the New York Jets. So good luck with that. But after last week, 0 16 is among us. I've said this since week six. I'll say it again. It's just crazy. I, I I don't know what the answers are for the Jets here. But it appears the best way to go about it is just to continue to lose out. Uh, that's probably the only thing to do at this point. But let's move away from the Jets here. Because it honestly gets depressing to talk about them. <laughs> and let's jump over to college now and talk about America's game in Army-Navy. And then a game that's usually hosted in an NFL stadium under the bright lights, whether it be Philly or Baltimore, Army will host the 121st iteration of the Army-Navy game at Mikey Stadium right there in West Point at our home in New York. And it'll be set to draw a huge crowd, as it always does. President Trump is going to make an appearance. It's going to play host to ESPN College game day. And this game, regardless of what the records are, throw them out. Because there is no love lost between these teams. And come game day, come Saturday, they'll lay it all on the line. And I expect this one to be a nail-biter, as it always is. Navy is struggling to buy a win this season. They are 3-6, and six, but have kept the competition relatively close The midshipmen did defeat a common opponent between these two teams in Tulane earlier this season in week 2 on the road in Tulane Navy edged out Tulane 27 to 24 whereas Army lost to them 38 to 12 but now that's just an outlier there because Army has not struggled to buy wins this season and are undefeated at Mikey Stadium 6 and 0 this season and are 7 and 2 overall and i think the most interesting storyline for Army will be that rotation at starting quarterback between Christian Anderson and Tyer Tyler. The Black Knights went with Tyler in their last game out against Georgia Southern. He had an up and down first career start with Army, but he battled back through the adversity and helped this team pull out the win. But then there's Anderson, who has dealt with injury troubles. Now it's a little wishy-washy. We're not sure on how healthy he is or if he'll exactly make this start. But his last start was two games ago against Tulane, and is viewed more as a passing threat. Now, I do expect both these teams to be very run-heavy in this game, so I do think the nod will go to Tyler. But, it's always wait and see with Army. Last year, they had a very similar two-quarterback injury situation with Calvin Hopkins— That got dealt with the way it got dealt with. So it's just definitely something to monitor, but it would appear either way it doesn't really make a difference in this one. Army, being the home favorite that they always are and being so strong and so good at home, are going to open as seven point favorites, which is a hefty line for this game. In this matchup, seven of the last nine games have been decided by seven points or less. That number's too high for me. I love Army to win. Go Army, beat Navy, but I don't know if they cover that seven. Go Army, beat Navy. Watch that seven point spread. Now let's touch on ruckers real quick before I get to my discussion here with Benny Ricciardi. And unfortunately for the Scarlet Knights fans, their winning streak, one game winning streak, was short-lived as they fell at home to Penn State 23-7. And the Scarlet Knights went down early in this one and struggled to figure out anything offensively. And I'm not sure if it's more that they struggled to get anything going offensively or if Penn State's defense just figured them out. But Rutgers' offense was non-existent outside of wide receiver Bull Melton. And he's a fan favorite on this show. I talk about Bo every week. Melton made a wild airborne catch at one point in time, which didn't get enough attention. He ended up landing on his back. Actually, he hurt himself for a little bit there, but ended up recovering it, finished with seven receptions for 37 yards and the lone Scarlet Knights touchdown. And I think ultimately what I got out of this game is that Rutgers didn't even really beat themselves. They just got flat out beat. Penn State decided to wake up and figure out that they are a good football team despite their record. Led 17-0 at half and just never looked back. The lead was just too big for Rutgers to even come back on. They end the season this weekend at Maryland and take on a Terps team that have played one game over the last month. Maryland has an explosive offense and I think Rutgers will definitely be tested. I like the Rutgers defense in this matchup, but seeing what Tonga Vailoa has been able to do at the quarterback position for Maryland makes this game a must-see for me and I'm very excited to see how Rutgers bounces back after a loss, especially to end this season end it being on the road also one more quick thing to note Dave Gettleman was in attendance for you Giants fans out there in this game checking out Penn State and Rutgers prospects we will see if any of those guys end up being taken by the Giants come draft time but now I'm gonna get you guys ready for my discussion here with Benny Ricciardi you loyal listeners to the New York Football Podcast are very familiar with Benny already but for those of you who don't know him listen to what he has to say this guy knows what he's talking about not a losing show since Benny has been on here. We don't lose 5-5 five and five this week, but we will get better. Benny will be the first to tell you that. Benny is here as a part of FTN Network and FTN Bets, and he's going to help me break down this week 14 slate of games, and he's going to talk about some potential line movements we could see and some favorable early matchups that you can take advantage of to help you guys make money and put some money in your pockets over this weekend. So without further ado, here he is, Benny Benny Ricciardi. Alright, for the second time, and I say the second time because we recorded once before this, and for some reason, Zoom decided to be weird and get rid of the file on us. So for the second time, Benny, welcome to the show, man. How are you doing? Tell the people how it's been. Although I know how you're doing now, tell them. They need to be informed. Follow them at R 11 What's going on, Benny? How are we doing?
1: Yeah, we just had one of the greatest hour-long conversations in history that nobody will ever be able to hear right now. So it's lost forever right now.
0: It's the lost files, and I was looking at it in that way, or I was also looking at it like maybe it was so bad, they just wanted it gone. They're like, no, sir, we can't can't let this go out. We're going to save you from yourself. (laughs)
1: All right, we're running it back.
0: (laughs) Well, no, so – it's a lot better. We cleared a lot of the kinks. We know what the lines are. We know what the leans are. So that's good. So I don't want to rush this and beat to the punch. We'll still let everyone know what, um, what you know our early thoughts are and all that good stuff. I'm not just going to give you a pick. Same thing. I know you wouldn't have known, guys, if we restarted this, but I think it's important. Because if you're like, these guys sound like they've talked before. It sounds like these guys know what's going on. It's because we have. It's yes. because we have. Let the people know how fantasy's going. Let the people know how your fantasy league is going. This is playoff week. How do your teams look? I know you have primarily best ball teams, but yep. are they still afloat? How are they doing?
1: Yeah, so I played a bunch of the teams over in the DraftKings best ball tournament at a, at a bunch of different price points now. I probably have about a dozen teams that are still live. Probably about five or six that I feel comfortable with. So we'll see how everything works out. I was telling you, the first time we ran this back is that, you know, when I had the first pick this year, I took Christian McCaffrey. Those teams all suck. The second pick this year, I took Saquon Barkley. Those teams all suck. The only good teams I have are ones where I started off with like a a Dalvin Cook or an Alvin Kamara. Those seem to be the teams that I have that are still available. And that's the way that it works out sometimes. You know, I hit on... A bunch of the other guys that I was chasing in like the second or third round. I have a lot of Josh Jacobs, which worked out well early in the year. Hasn't worked out well later. That's you know, the sure. Kamara teams or something else that worked out well at times. I had a lot of Antonio Gibson. So that has been really helping out some of my teams these last Maybe couple weeks. Maybe not anymore, there. unfortunately. Yeah. You know, um, one of the other things I've noticed too, Steve, is the teams that I have, a lot of the teams I have that are doing well are also um, Travis Kelsey teams where I took – Kelsey in like the second round like I was getting him you know around like pick he was a guy on the comeback of a lot of teams when I got like Dalvin Cook or Kamara in the first round and then I wound up with like yeah with like him in the second round and then you know started grabbing like some wide receivers and running backs in the third fourth fifth round a couple of those teams hit a couple of them didn't but I've noticed that a lot of my best teams are the ones where I went running back tight end running back or running back tight end wide receiver one as my, as my start still. So.
0: Interesting. Well, so in deeper leagues, that's actually my preferred strategy. And I try to tell the people I talk to, um, to do that because I won a 16 man league last year where I went a strategy of taking Kittle in the second. And I actually ended up getting Ertz, which, you know, Ertz has died out now, but then was good. Cause I doubled down. There's so many people. It's all about taking the best value that's there. So, you go big time running back and then you just get a really good tight end in either Kittle or Kelsey and you solidify yourself pretty well because receiver's the easiest thing to pick up this year in that league. It's now a 14 man, but I went with Kelsey. So it's a similar, it's a similar setup. I did go Joe Mixon though. Don't love that anymore. Um, I, I still think he shows promise. He's supposed to come back. So he could kind of end up winning me some of these leagues if he gets really good matchups, but we'll see. I'm going to tread lightly. I don't, I don't know where that direction is going. Let's jump into the Thursday game. And mind you, we are still recording. So we started this at the beginning of the Tuesday night football game. It is now halftime. It was a quick episode. It was quick. It was a quick discussion. Um, This might be longer. I don't know. But we're now at halftime, so we'll gauge it through that. It took us one half to do the first one, maybe a full game. A full game this time. Let's go to the Thursday night game. And this is a team we hit on big. And I give a win courtesy of you because of this. It was a pick And they won by 45 points. Um, A lot of points. Bill Belichick eats and swallows rookie quarterbacks. It's absolutely nuts how he does it every time. It's not even surprising. It's just like in the fashion he does it. It's almost disrespectful. It's borderline disrespectful. So we have the Pats. Five and a half point underdogs on the road against the Los Angeles Rams. Five and a half point favorites. I love the Pats in this game. Over under is 45 points. The five and a half is a weird number. I would love if this was at six, six and a half, which is where I believe it started. Yep. But I still like the five and a half. I still like the Pats. I, I talked to you about maybe do some player prop with the money line bet. I like to do those. Like if you're betting the Pats, I'd probably go Cam Newton rushing touchdown, Pats mm-hmm. win, like something like that, you know, or, or even first touchdown, throw a dart throw in there. Yeah, really, let's get crazy. Let's enjoy our Thursday. Um, <laughs> where are you at with this game? How does this number look to you?
1: Yeah. So I agree with the movement here. It did open at six and a half, as you mentioned, my number is actually Rams minus, uh, four and a half. So when the market is moving like this back in your direction, it gives you a little bit of validation that I think my number was kind of right, that it was a little too many points. I would have liked it better at six and a half. I'll tell you that. But if I have to make a bet on it now, the the Patriots are the side I want to be on. I wouldn't take the money line here though. If I'm going to do it, I'm going to take the five and a half points with the Patriots and, uh, I'll tell you the reason why the Rams have been one of the teams that play to some of the lowest totals week after week. Like you see a lot of Rams totals in the forties, 48, 47, 45, like even. So when you have a lower total game or a lower scoring game, five and a half points is worth a lot more in a game that only gets the 40 total points than it is to a game that gets the 60 or 70 total points. So it's a lot tougher to cover big numbers in smaller overall scoring situations and I think that's the way this game's going to be New England's not a team that puts up 35 a game the Rams are a team that doesn't give up a lot and doesn't really score a ton although they do score a little bit more than New England like this is like a 24 20 2017 kind of game to me so five and a half points is a lot to ask the Rams to win by here so I'll take uh, the plus five and a half with New England
0: well so this is a Super Bowl rematch And that Super Bowl was terrible. One of the worst I've ever seen. I think it was like 13-3. It was like 10-3. It was not good. The only highlight, I think, was like a Gronk 40-yard pass. Like, that's when you know a Super Bowl is bad, when you're highlighting, like, the lone 30-yard reception. You don't even have a touchdown reel to show.
1: One thing you got to mention, if you're talking about these two teams, this was also the Super Bowl that started the entire Patriots dynasty. Mm. 20-something years ago, when it was the uh, greatest show on turf, and the Patriots defense came in and shut him down and won their first Super Bowl there with the uh, Tom Brady coming in for Drew Bledsoe after the yes. injury situation. So that was like bookended those, up uh, those. That's two actually
0: games. the first Super Bowl I think I remember, like as a kid. Like that was the first one. That was what, oh, 2001? 2000. No, 1990. 1990. Um, Giants were 2000. Giants were 2000. That's I mean, Giants were
1: I, like, I feel like it was 90. No, because
0: I think 99 was McNair Rams, then it was Giants-Ravens, and then I think it was Pats. So 2001? Dad. So 2001, I was six. So that's a, you know that makes sense. I don't well, know if that's good or bad for a child. I was
1: 21. I was a
0: drunk college kid at that time. <laughs> Did that make you feel old? <laughs> I'm it sorry. does make me
1: feel old, yes.
0: <laughs> I remember it, though. I was there. It shouldn't make you feel that old. I'm just as old. I remember that. Anyways, now we'll move on and we have a matchup you know i love we talked about it and i love that this team has come around for you i've tried to tell you about them i knew they were coming for a while they started winning games and you're like ah i don't know it's seattle well here they are the giants four wins in a row and are now at home and the line is exactly where it needs to be the giants are the dogs two and a half point dogs plus 115 on the money line cardinals are coming off a loss, correct? A loss. Um, The Giants are rolling. This this is, yeah, they've, they're coming off three losses. Don't mind that. That's the red wine I started drinking through this second episode, because once you lose the first one, you might as well bring out the wine. Um, (laughs) So they've lost three in a row. These are two teams trending in different directions. Where does this number, like, does this number make sense for you, Benny? The two and a half is a number we talk about not betting. So I'll just say I'll take the Giants money line here, but should this be higher? Did it open higher? What, what's it looking like?
1: So the dramatic effect of me asking you the question about whether or not you think Daniel Jones is going to play because of the the way my numbers are here. Um, it's kind of off now that we're doing this for a second time. So I already know the answer here, but <laughs> I asked Steve the first time what his thoughts on whether or not Daniel Jones is going to play. And the reason for that is, with Colt McCoy as a Giants quarterback, I have the Giants being a three-point underdog in this game. With Daniel Jones as a Giants quarterback, I have this game as a pick'em, which would mean the value is on the New York Giants side. So the first time we recorded, I asked Steve, what do you think about Daniel Jones? And he seems to think that there's no way Daniel Jones is not going to play in this game. So... Going I on, I actually back.
0: remember my answer a little bit. I think I said I can't wait for Danny to bring out his sack on all of the competition.
1: I think that was exactly. It was really quote. close. Yeah, it was a good <laughs> quote. I hope you said it the first time. The second time doesn't quite have the same. Room that. <laughs> yeah.
0: That's what I said. just wanted to let the people know the thought yeah. of what I said. Was, that's what I said. It was a classic it was about we, ninety-five to one hundred. That's what that is. <laughs> yeah,
1: it, it was it was a classic recording that we lost, and you guys are going to miss out on. But we we got to hear it. But either way, yeah, I mean, again, if you think Daniel Jones is going to play, the side you want to be on here is the Giants. The Giants are our home team. They're a dog. These two teams are going in the wrong direction. Arizona started the season hot. As Steve mentioned, they've been losing a bunch of games lately and not looking good doing it. Um, You know, Kyler Murray does not look like he's 100%, but he keeps rolling out there. But at less than 100%, I mean, this is a guy who's putting up 30 fantasy points a game, like the first, you know, two months of the season. And then lately he just hasn't been putting up those kind of numbers and, and they've suffered a little bit before Now, again, I'm not saying Arizona sucks. I think Arizona is still a good team. I just have them sliding down in my power rankings and the giants are a team that I admit I have not been as high on as I should be. And they have actually moved up quite a bit in my power rankings over these last couple weeks. So, you know, for me, if I'm putting money on this thing, if Daniel Jones is playing, I want to be on a giant side. The number is two and a half, right? We're not getting the three.
0: Yeah, two and a half right now on Bet Online.
1: Yeah, if we're not getting the three, then I'm just taking the money line on it. That's the way I. it. Well, play they can't it.
0: put it at three, three and a half, because then that'd be robbery. You can't just take someone's money like that. Well, that's, that's...
1: Exact, I mean, that's the that's the art of bookmaking right there. Yes. So that's for me. If I'm not getting the plus three, I'd rather just be on the money line. So give me the Giants as a home dog on the money
0: line. But now a big thing we talked about in the last show, and we'll definitely tie it into this, is that this is a game that you can get through the three and through the seven. This is a two and a half game that if you throw it in a teaser. And that's actually a game we missed out on in the Pats too. That's one you can get from five and a half to 11 and a half, which is what I said. But the Giants are more um, in line with what we were talking about through the three, through the seven. And you can get this at eight and a half as a home dog. I mean, yep. if yeah, they're going that's great.
1: You know, we talked, let's have this discussion now while we're talking about this here, because yeah. I mentioned to Steve that this year on the, on the season, the away teams are 96, 94 and one. So away teams are actually winning at above a 50% clip. Again, not much above 50%, 96 versus 94, but still at above a 50% clip. When normally away teams win, um, if you take the numbers since 2015, away teams win 44.15% of the time or something like that. So we're seeing about a six or seven point uh, percentage point increase over you know, away teams winning this year, which is in line with what we've been saying all season long that With no fans in the stands, the home field advantage is not that big this year. It's not as big. So, you know, a lot of times we talk about the, you know, what we call the Wong teaser legs, which is when you can tease the number that goes through the three and the seven. So two and a half, you add six, you get to eight and a half. So you get through the three and a seven. Or if we have a couple of these other numbers we're going to talk about that are like seven and a half that we can tease down through the seven, through the three to like one and a half or two. Um, This is a great week for them. And there are a lot of road teams that we're going to talk about as teaser legs here. This is not one of them, though. This is like the classic most profitable teaser leg is when you can go through a three and a seven with a home team that's a dog. So you can get the Giants up to eight and a half here. I like that bet a lot, but I would also sprinkle a little bit of the New York Giants on the money line because, to me, this is a pick em. It's a coin flip game if Andrew Jones plays. And if you're going to give me – what are you getting plus Plus 115-ish, I think.
0: Plus 115,
1: yep. Yeah, if you're going to give me plus 115 on something that's coin flip, I'm going to take that every time.
0: Yeah, and to your point, it's not like the Cardinals are a walk in the park, but I do think this matchup really benefits the Giants. Bradbury on Hopkins, Murray is banged up. That shoulder injury is no joke, even though people tend to forget about it. And last week, his numbers were a little off. If you look at his numbers, you'd be like, there's no way he's hurt. Hopkins looked back to normal, but not really. To me, something between the two of them hasn't been right over the last three to four weeks. So I think there's a really good chance that continues in New York with the way the Giants defense have, uh, has been playing. But we'll continue to proceed. And this is one of those games you were talking about with the 7.5. And, and this is a game that immediately when I looked at it, I don't really love the number, but I want to play it as a teaser pick. So I'm going to take the Chiefs 1.5. The line is 7.5. The Chiefs are 7.5-point favorites on the road. At the Miami Dolphins, Miami is plus 270 on the money line over under 49 49-and-a-half. I don't even know what's going on with the Miami quarterback situation. I love betting on Patrick Mahomes. Bringing it down to one and a half for me gives me a reason to bet the Chiefs. Uh, I, I know we touched on it, and we can touch on it again. The Chiefs' lines are getting lower and lower. This is a team that tends to be hard to bet because they get so crazy. So when you can bring it down under that three, under the seven, makes it really enticing to uh, – want to put your money on it.
1: Yeah, 100%. This is one of my favorite teaser legs of the week. Um, again, seven and a half gets it down to one and a half. You get through the seven. You get through the three. This way, if the Chiefs win by a field goal or a touchdown, you you get the win on that. And we mentioned the Chiefs, the Chiefs have lost against the spread, I think, four games in a row they failed to cover. Um, now, again, they've won every one of those games. So teasing it down to one and a half makes a lot of sense because they keep winning week after week, but they're not doing it by these – eight, 10, 12 point margins that you really want to be betting on this team here. But one of the things that I really love about teasing them down to one and a half is even if you're losing with two minutes left, you have the ball in Patrick Mahomes hands with all those weapons that he has there to go the length of the field and try to get the touchdown or the, you know, the field goal that pushes you ahead and makes this a, uh, you know, makes this a, 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 win for you there. So Even in those situations, even if it's a situation where they're losing, which is not something that happens often, I still feel pretty comfortable if there's time on the clock and the ball's in Patrick Mahomes' hands that he's going to get me the cover, which is exactly what's happened in some of these recent games. So I don't like the 7.5 number. I wouldn't take that. But this is one of my favorite teasers of the week because I I just can't see them not winning this game.
0: Yeah, no way. I just don't see the Chiefs not winning, especially with blood in the water. The Steelers just lost. The Chiefs, if if they can get – home field and that buy they definitely want it no doubt in my mind there's only one buy now in the nfl so it makes it that much more important chiefs have one loss and that would say the raiders mind you so anything is uh possible for them i don't even know how that tiebreaker works i think the steelers would still be the one seed let's move on i digress and this is a game that's ugly this is an ugly game we talked about it i think when we got off air immediately um, following our first taping, we talked about that. There's a lot of better games, but you know what? It's what I have written down. We can touch on those other games this time around, but let's talk about this poop game. We have the Minnesota Vikings who barely lost or barely beat the Jacksonville Jaguars at home. They are six and a half point dogs on the road against the Tampa Bay Bucks or six and a half point favorites coming off a bye. Uh, the over-under is 51 and a half. I took the over. This is a game that I just figured is just going to be one of those games during the 1 o'clock game, uh, the 1 p.m. window, that you don't even want to watch, but you're going to watch it because you have some fa- uh, fantasy guys in it. The Bucks are full of them. Vikings, Dalvin Cook, Thielen, Jefferson. So you're going to have to watch this, I think, with all those guys, all the fantasy impact. Maybe we get that over. But I don't know. I don't like either side here. I don't like the Vikings. I don't want to bet on them. And the Bucks just burn me every time, especially at home.
1: Yeah, I mean, my number's right on market for this game. I have – Tampa Bay is four points better on a neutral field. They're at home, so we add about a point and a half for that, gets it to five and a half. And you mentioned they're coming off the buy. So when the team's coming off the buy, I add an extra point as well because they're a little more rested, a little less banged up. So that gets my number two, six six and a half, which is um, the number that's on market, right? That's the number they have there too. That's the number I see everywhere else I'm looking. That's why I'm asking.
0: Yep, six and a half.
1: Yeah, so six and a half is the number. So I'm pretty much right on market with that. If you're asking me to pick a side here, I feel more comfortable with Minnesota than I do with Tampa Bay. Uh, The Tampa Bay defense just hasn't looked to sit like early in the year. That was a dominant top three defense. Like they, they look like they were going to be the ones you got Tom Brady kind of falling off a little bit here towards the end of the season. You got the defense falling off a little bit here towards the end of the season. Like there's just, and it's not like they suck again. Like when I'm saying falling off a little bit, I'm not saying that, oh, this is a horrible defense that's going to give up like 40 points and that the offense is going to get shut down completely. But they're not a team that I feel comfortable betting on because I just don't think they have the same upside that I thought they did earlier in the season. They've been coming down in my power rankings little by little, but it's to the point now where I I don't really feel like they're – I don't really feel like they're one of the elite teams. I feel like they're kind of in that second tier below.
0: I mean that's fair. I I, wa- I was thinking in my head as you were talking. What was the question I asked you during the last time we predicted this game? And I remember I cut myself off just like I will before I ask it this time. And it was that you taught me that this is a game that seems a little out of sorts. This could be a teaser game and bring it down to a pick'em under one. But there's so many other teaser legs on this week 14 slate that let's just throw it out. Let's not even look at it and let's move forward and get some value out of some of these other lines yeah there's there's
1: better there's better there's better teaser spots where you're getting through both the three and the seven which technically has a little more added value to it and there are also like if minnesota came out here and put up four touchdowns early and the offense just looked great i don't think we would be shocked you know what i mean like if they jumped out and they were up 28 14 or 28 7 in this game and just kind of cruised in the second half i don't think we'd be shocked if like the Jacksonville Jaguars do that to Tennessee I think we'd be a little shocked or if Detroit Lions do that to Green Bay we'd be kind of shocked so it's not that it's a bad teaser leg. it's just that there's better ones and when you're doing it you know you get four or five games that you like and then you have to sit there and say in the overall scheme of things which one of these is like they're all kind of locks we're getting six points they should all look really good but like which one of these looks like really, really good, and that's what you really want. You want the we play really the most
0: likely game, and that's exactly. The, that's the best game to play. What's more likely to happen? So and remember I do what
1: I said so. the first time? You don't get style points. You don't get style points for picking a tough one. Just take the easy ones and win.
0: I do think the bucks will win this game, though, but I won't you know what for the sake of the show, we'll add it. We'll, we'll make it a money line bet just so I get something in there. Okay, let's move on. 4 p.m. games. And this is a game I was alluding to as a better teaser game. This is a seven-and-a-half point spread in favor of the Green Bay Packers. They're on the road at the Detroit Lions. Over-under is 55 points. I love betting the Packers. We were on them last week. I'll be on them again. That's fine. And I love this all the way down to one-and-a-half. Get this and the Chiefs game at one-and-a-half. And I think that's a nice little two-leg teaser there. Um, I also want to not forget this. We set another over-under last time we were on. Over under the amount of times you see the Hail Mary game or the Hail Hail Mary replay between Rodgers and Richard Rodgers happen in Detroit. I think I'm going to set it at five and a half, but I think that's low. I think five and a half is low. We might see it more than that. Just on Sunday?
1: My initial thought was under on the five and a half, so I don't know. I think that's a good line then. If you think it could go over, and I think it could go on that, I think. Well,
0: I think it depends. I, I think it depends. Like, are we counting all the stations? Are we counting just Fox? Like, I got to – we, we got to iron this out. I got to talk to the bookmakers. Uh, yeah, I yeah, we, no. need,
1: we, need the, we need the fine print before we Yeah, we got to
0: get the big wigs in this, and I got to get, you know, the other rules, the stake rules. But we'll, we'll – patent pending. <laughs> we'll move on, though, Bob. What do, what do, you, what do you think of this game? Uh, we talked about how we love the Packers. I kind of cut to the chase there. But why do you love the Packers and not love the Lions here?
1: I mean, there's so many reasons to like the Packers and hate the Lions. But the big one here, I mean, this is, this is a great teaser piece, too. You bring this game down to one and a half from seven and a half. I, I absolutely love that. The other reason, I actually like the seven and a half, too, there, if you want to make a straight bet, you know, not even talking about the teasers. I have about two points of value in this game, according to my numbers, because I, um, I have the Packers at nine and a half here. I actually have the Packers on a neutral field favored by about 11 which is pretty crazy against Detroit right now. But remember, they beat Detroit 42-21 earlier in the year, and that was when Detroit still had Kenny Galladay in there as well. So I don't think the Detroit offense is as powerful right now. I have never been a fan of the defense. Uh, Jeff Okuda, their top draft pick, is actually out, or he was out last week. You know, again, we're doing this on, you know, Tuesday night, Wednesday morning. So maybe we get something in the uh, practice reports that changes that. But he's supposed to be out. I just don't think they have a single way. I don't think anybody has a way to stop uh, Devontae Adams, but I just don't see how they're going to do it. I think Green Bay could cover the seven and a half, but I love teasing it down to one and a half. I don't like giving up the hook on the touchdown, but again, my number is nine and a half. So I actually think they'll win by even more than this.
0: Yeah. It's such a weird game though, to me, like with the under, I, I know I have the under circle here, uh, circled here. And I remember the reason for that was because it's a division game. Not even, aside from Galladay and all that, I just think 55 is a lot. That's a lot of points. It's the highest that we have or I have written down. I don't know if it's the highest of the weekend. It's just a lot of points to score. What worries me is the Packers score 30 in the Lions, you know, put up three touchdowns, and I'm, you know, in murky waters there. But we should be all right. We should be okay. 34-21 gets a push. You know, I'll take the under. We're, we're, we're going to stick with that. Or do you not get pushes on over-unders? You do. Yeah, you do. I mean, as long right.
1: as it's not a half a point thing, yeah, you do. Yeah, as
0: long as it's – okay. That's like, your if it's 54
1: thought. and a half, you get screwed. If it's 54 – th- I think
0: uh, I was getting into it with someone that was saying that, that, like, if the number pushes, it leans but, more you to be over.
1: Let, let me say it this way because here's one of the here's one of the things. Like, on any of the regulated books, I'm pretty sure that comes out as a push. Yeah. If you're playing, like, parlays or teasers with some of these offshore books, like, they have – some of these rules where you don't get some of that stuff. If you're playing with a reputable offshore book, yeah, you're definitely getting a push on that. They're not going to try to screw you. Yeah, no doubt. There are, there are some of these fly-by-night Costa Rican shops that pop up every now and then where, <laughs> you know, like you, you, I'm not even kidding. That's where they are. They're all in Costa Rica because it's, you know, it's all legal down there, or at least they don't care if you're doing it down there. But I don't know um, where to sure. vacation. Yeah, there are some. Oh, dude, for Costa Rica, if you have 100 bucks, you can go down to Costa Rica and live like a king for a
0: couple days. <laughs> this is the information I need to know. This is key information. Oh,
1: man. Yeah, you're to get out of Weehawken every once in a while, bro. I love it yeah. too. This well, well I can't right
0: now. <laughs> well, I'm sure, yeah.
1: We're kind of stuck here at this point.
0: Yeah, well, so from the under 55 to Costa Rica, I like the Packers. Uh, let's move on. Uh, we got the Colts here at minus two and a half point favorites at the Las Vegas Raiders. Um, the Raiders almost lost to the Jets. The over-under is 51 and a half. I believe in the Colts, but I don't believe in the Colts. And, like, this is a game that I feel like I like the Colts, but I might like the Colts too much. Like, I, I got to look past the Raiders near loss to the Jets is the thing. You know, and it's like, it, it's almost too easy. I'm worried about it. But I do like that it's under the three. I do like that. So what does the line tell you in this game?
1: Yeah, so, I mean, if, if Josh Jacobs plays, I have this game at two and a half, which is exactly on market right now. If Josh Jacobs doesn't play, though, I have this game at more like three and a half. And there aren't a lot of running backs that really, like, move the needle a lot, but he is one that moves the needle enough because of his volume and the way that this team kind of uses him here. So, I think best-case scenario, I'm on market, and, or worst-case scenario, I'm on market, best-case scenario – I think this number is a little light. So for me, I would be on the Colts side if I'm going to take it either one. But I got to be honest, this was not a game that I had, not a game I have money on, but it's also not a game that I would be willing to tease the Raiders up to eight and a half, even though they're a two and a half dog like the Giants, because I like the other side of this game better. I, I'd rather be on the Colts side of this game than do anything with the Raiders side of it.
0: Yeah, I think that was important to know. I was going to ask that question, why this would be different than that two and a half, but it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I think a lot of these lines, and we also mentioned this, most of the time with the, with the through the three and through the seven, it sounds really good, but obviously it's not going to be a perfect system. It's obviously not that easy. It's a great find, and you want to capitalize on it. But for every three winners, there's going to be a loser. So you also want to make sure you avoid the ones that look too good to be true sometimes or too easy. And this is a game that I, I don't know which side I feel better to be on, but I'll take the Colts. I love home dogs. I think that's the thing. I just love home dogs. The Giants represent the two and a half point dogs. Um, Let's move on. And we have Washington on the road against the San Francisco 49ers, three and a half point spread in favor of the 49ers plus one fifty on the money line for Washington over under is 43 and a half. And I remember my outrageous pick on this. And I said, biasly I want the 49ers to win. And I think the 49ers will win. They're coming together. Richard Sherman's on the field. The defense looks all right. I like their DC. Um, It's going to be a low-scoring game because both these teams have really good defenses. Um, But you talked me up. You gave a really good talking to me about why you like Washington. I like Washington, too. I do. I think they have something good going on over there as well. And you made me make sense of that 3.5. I think 3.5 is a nice number, and I think that's a smart play. I think that's an easy play for me. I, I think that's safe. Well, where are you at with Washington?
1: Yeah, I mean, this actually opened at five and a half, so that there's been some steam in that direction that's, that's kind of put it down to three and a half right now. But there's a couple points I made last time, so let me try to remember them all so I can make them again, <laughs> again here as we run this back. Um, the first one being that Alex Smith is the best quarterback that the Washington Redskins have had on their center all season. Fact. Not even a question that you can argue about right now. Um, Dwayne Haskins sucked at the beginning of the year, and most of the time when we're down to a third-string quarterback, you're usually lowering your overall number from what it was earlier in the year because you usually have a downgrade from the starter to the third stringer. I don't think that's the case here. I think, I think Alex Smith is actually an upgrade and we've seen that because the team has played better the last couple of weeks here. So for me, I'm actually raising my numbers for the Washington Redskins as, as the season goes on. And I said to you, the three teams whose numbers I am, like, have been, like, the most above now, especially this week. The Giants and the Redskins are both moving up a lot in my number rankings as, you know, I start getting the new data and crunching it together and then seeing where it was last week to where it is this week. So, I know you don't want to hear that as a Giants fan, but these both of these teams are playing better right now. And then on the other side of this game, like, San Francisco, San Francisco is just so up and down to me, right? Like, there's mm-hmm. some weeks they go out there and it's like, man, they could play with the Chiefs and, you know, maybe – pull off an upset if they if everything goes right. And then the other weeks were like, Jesus Christ, if they were playing the Jags this week, they would have lost by two touchdowns. So I don't really know what to do with this team here. Again, if you're asking me to bet on this game, the Redskins have something to play for. The Redskins are moving in the right direction. Their defense is very good, and their offense is not going to hurt them. Earlier in the year when Haskins was the quarterback, the offense was hurting them. Nowadays, the offense is not that bad. So... I, I kind of like this Washington Redskins team. I think they're better, they're better than they're getting credit for, and I think that's, uh, you know, that's something that you should always be interested in. If you're higher on a team than the market, you can continue to make money on them. And if you've been high on the Redskins or the Giants like you have been, you've been making a lot of money lately.
0: I, I think uh, it's a respect thing with the East, too. I mean, I have no problem with the Redskins being good. The Giants have beat them twice. So, you know what? Credit to them. I, I think they're balling out. And to note, uh, for anyone who wasn't watching football for some reason, Both these teams played on Monday night. Both of them went in opposite directions. Washington pulled a road upset, and San Fran, in their first game on a neutral field in Arizona, lost to the Buffalo Bills. Buffalo, though, I think, is a very good team. But speaking of both those matchups, Washington beating the uh, Steelers and San Fran losing to the Bills, that is your Sunday night game, and you have the Pittsburgh Steelers as two and a half point road favorites, uh, road dogs, against the Buffalo Bills. Over/under is forty-six and a half. The first time I said it though. You know, we, we had an opposite spill there. I called the Steelers two and a half point favorites because we had a mic drop moment. You thought that's what it was, but it's actually the other way around. Or you thought it was close to that. You think the Steelers should be favorited here. And after checking everything, the Bills are the two and a half point favorites. Uh, favorites. Why do you think that is?
1: So, I mean, again, I said to you on Sunday, because I, I do a lot of my research on Sunday. A lot of my numbers that I bet are Sunday night while I'm watching the Sunday night football game. So they played the Monday night game, and on Sunday night, the look-ahead number for this game was the Steelers favored by two-and-a-half. So now that it's swung to Buffalo being favored by two-and-a-half, I mean, that's a five-point swing, which is a big deal. But we talk about how the numbers two-and-a-half, one, one on the other side, plus one to minus one, or plus two-and-a-half to minus two-and-a-half, since you're not crossing the three with either one of those numbers – they're not worth as much as like going from five to 10 or going from two to seven. You know what I mean? So people see a five point move and they're like, Oh man, that's a huge move. Like, yeah, it's a, it's a huge, like move numbers wise, but it's not really that big a move. It basically went from one team being favored by less than a field goal to the other team being favored by less than a field goal. And you can see that on the money line movement. Cause it's not like the money line. If a money line moves from, you know, two to seven or something like that. Uh, if a spread moves from two to seven, you'd normally see a huge money line move, too. The money line move wasn't that big. They went from like minus 120 to what, what's San Francisco? Sorry, what's Pittsburgh at now? Plus 120? 120 Plus
0: 125.
1: Yeah, so I actually have Pittsburgh being favored in this game. I think that the five point line move is a little bit of an overreaction to Pittsburgh not playing well and Buffalo playing really, really well. Hmm. Um, So the way I look at this is, this game, I actually have it favoring Pittsburgh. So if you're going to give me plus 125 on a team that I already have favored a little bit, I'm going to take that. And the way I'm playing this game is the money line, because I'm not getting the full three points on that side. So I would rather just play the money line straight up. Give me the plus 125 on the Steelers.
0: Yeah, so this was a game I said that it would be a lot like last year. Before you even said anything, I was like, I really like the Bills. I love betting the Bills had the Bills last night in my parlay I told you about with the Redskins and the Bills. It was great. All was good. And I was thinking that, you know what? The Bills won this matchup last year on the road. They can do it again. But you are opening my eyes. And I said, for the sake of the show, i going to listen to you. Because I think last week, my early inkling told me to bet the Chargers. And thank God I did not do that. So I will listen to you, as I so should. And as I tell the people to. <laughs> I, I got to do, uh, you know, what I preach. And tell well, let me,
1: I mean, real quick, let's, let, let's just break down the math, right? It's like last week we took the Patriots at plus 106 is the number that I got in on. This week we can take the Steelers at plus 125. So if you bet 100, you win 125. Last week, if you bet 100 on Patriots, you won 106. When I say by a coin flip, what I mean is like we won the coin flip last week with the Patriots and we got the plus 106. Even if we lose this coin flip, we lose 100 if we bet 100. You know, a unit is 100, let's say. You know what I mean? We're still up six bucks on the two bets that we made last week, this week, on on the line like this. And that's what I'm saying when we talk about there's value here. It's like, this is one of those games that is probably going to come down to the end and could go either way, depending on who has the ball last or or where the turnover is or whatever. And if that's the case, then taking plus 125 or plus 106 on something that is a coin flip, you're going to end up Winning and losing that about the same amount of times. But when you win it at plus 106 or plus 125, you get paid more than you lose when you lose it at, you know, minus 120 or whatever it is on the other side of this game. So I always want to be on the plus money side of a coin flip. I think this game's a coin flip at plus 125. The value is with the Steelers. Even if I do like Buffalo, like if we were doing a pick the team you think is going to win straight up pool, I'd probably be on Buffalo in this game. But at plus 125, you know what side I'm
0: on. 100%. I just want to touch on here because there is no Monday night game as of what I know of. Maybe the line's not out yet. Maybe there's a schedule change and they're just messing with me. This is, That has happened before on this show. And I blame again the red wine. But to, to my knowledge, there is no Monday night game. But there is a few more games on here um, on Sunday that we really like and can find some value in. One being the New Orleans Saints. They're a 4 p.m. game. Um, this is another teaser league we talked about that's at seven and a half. You could bring them down. They're road favorites, seven and a half point road favorites against the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, we can touch on that real quick. The over-under is 44 and a half. Why do you like the Saints?
1: Yeah, I, I love the Saints. This actually opened at six and a half. My number on this game was 10. So I was getting through the seven to get up to the 10 there. So I was like, oh my God, I'm, I'm in. So I already had a, I already put a bet on uh, New Orleans minus six and a half. The other thing is, Steve, we talked about New Orleans three weeks in a row now on the show, and I told you three weeks in a row that I am higher on this team than I think the numbers that the sports books are putting out in. And so far, I'm three and zero by being higher on it. They beat Atlanta twice, and then there was another game, oh, the Denver game, which worked out very well in our favor. But uh, you know, either way, like I said, I have been about three points higher every week than they were on the spread, and I'm three points higher again this week. They're playing differently under Taysom Hill. And the book's kind of overadjusted for that. Instead of them putting up, like, 30, 40 points a game, which, you know, is, is the thought that we have of them with Drew Brees back there slinging it around to all these guys. Under Taysom Hill, they're still scoring, like, 24, 27 points a game. But the defense is really what's been dominating lately. In the last five games, this defense has given up 44 total points. Like, again, the Chargers gave up 45 to the Patriots. This team hasn't given up 45 in five straight games combined they're giving up an average of 8.8 points a game over the last five games. So really impressive what's going on with this uh, Saints defense right now. And then when you take the Saints defense and you look at the offense, which is still putting up two or three touchdowns and a couple field goals every game. I mean, I still think the Saints are a team that people are really sleeping on. Like they're 10 and two. They won their first game. They lost the next two and then they've won 10 games since that or nine games in a row since that, whatever it is. So They're on fire. They're playing really well. They got a running game. They got really good wide receivers, especially now at everybody's back. The defense is unbelievable. Taysom Hill doesn't really turn the ball over. So there's a lot of good things here. I like the Saints a lot. I would take them. It's up to seven or seven and a half that you're looking at.
0: Seven and a half.
1: Yeah, I like them at seven. I wouldn't go seven and a half. Up here at seven and a half, the best thing for you to do is just tease it down. Yeah. Another one of these teams you can get down to minus one and a half, get through the seven and the three and feel pretty comfortable about this week.
0: Yeah, 100%. And so the Saints are climbing in your rankings as well as the Giants and Washington, all of them have the three highest winning streaks. Saints at nine, Giants at four, I believe Washington at three. So that would make a lot of sense for that. And then the other matchup here is the Tennessee Titans um, at seven points. Their road favorites, seven-point road favorites against the Jacksonville Jaguars. The Jags almost won last week. Are we positive? We want to bet on the Titans here. They laid a big time egg last week.
1: Um, I, I actually like the minus seven. I, my number on this game is Titans minus 12. Hmm. That, like I had, a, I had a very big number on this game. It was Titans minus 12, and that was before adjusting for the home field advantage. So on a neutral field, my number was more like 13 and a half in this game, I think. I love teasing this down to one as well. You can tease it down. I actually teased it down. It was seven and a half. So I was going to tease it down from seven and a half to one and a half. You're telling me seven now so we can get it down to one. I, it's even better. Give me the half a point. I'll take that as well. It's not a bad thing there.
0: Yeah, but the I haven't keys are down to five. seven too, by the way, now that I'm looking at it. Keys are down to seven. This is on DraftKings. This is a betonline.ag show. Uh, shout Ooh. out to BetOnline. But these are the active lines I'm looking at.
1: Yeah, I mean, I would have uh, – I would. I would – Gladly tease both of these teams down to one point. I have no problem with it. But like I said, I don't even mind the minus seven because my number on the Titans is 12. So there's about five points of value there. Maybe I'm missing something. I know they had some injuries last week and I thought I factored those in pretty well. I don't know if I missed one. Maybe that's the thing. I mean, I kind of discounted AJ um, Brown playing and I discounted John and Smith playing because he didn't play last week and then Brown got hurt in that game last week. Yeah. And I still got that 12 13 number with them. So I don't know. I just really think the Titans are primed to, to kind of blow Jacksonville out. Yes, Jacksonville has been in some close games. But again, I think that that's part of the overreaction that people have. Like, yeah, they've looked better with Mike Lennon, but he's fucking Mike Lennon. Like, we're not, you know, he's not, he's not Patrick Mahomes. He's, you know, he's Mike Lennon. Like, I'm not giving him that much credit for Mike Lennon. Sorry.
0: Well, I was remembering what I said the last time we recorded, too. And it was that I liked the over a lot in that Browns-Titans game you also like the over and I was like, you know what? I like this over too much that I bet the under and the under did not hit by 40 points. I think they, I think they hit the over in the first half. I think they're still
1: scoring in that game. They haven't stopped scoring in that game. They
0: still have not stopped scoring. Um, I don't even know what the Giants were doing at the end of the game. They just kept getting the ball and kept scoring touchdowns. They honestly almost door. One like, one why, how
1: come you couldn't do that all game? It would have been you know they were down like thirty nothing. They were going to do it one right? other
0: time. Yeah, earlier in the game, they went into the final three minutes. But yeah, that was brutal. That was a brutal loss. But you did get us on the Saints last week. That was a big time winner. That was a road f- a road favorite as well. The Pats were money too. Um, listen to this man, people. I'm going to start listening to him. I took the Steelers. See, I'm listening. I'm growing. I'm growing with you guys. Benny, I tell them all the time. You're here, part of FTN Network and FTN Bets. Follow them at BennyR11. Is there anything else you want to tell the people at home?
1: Um, one thing I'll tell you guys, if you want to know my thoughts on all the games here, we, we, we hit on a couple um, You know, when we're here. I do a video over on uh, FTN Fantasy on YouTube. So get over to YouTube, type in Fantasy. I think the name of the video series is betting with Benny. I don't get the name of the shit. They they got people much smarter than me who figure out algorithms and how to name all this stuff. (laughs) So, yeah, I think it's called betting with Benny, like NFL week 14 picks or something like that. So check that out on YouTube. Give us a like and subscribe. And uh, we'll call it even for all this free advice and information I give you guys here every week.
0: You know, Benny, something we started the last time we taped with, and I did not get your take on that. I need to before you go. We talked about the Jets. We talked about the Jets. I don't want to go down this road again. I may have alluded to it earlier in the show, and that's why I want to make sure I get your take for it. But pretty much the premise of the conversation was how comical is it that they fired Greg Williams? Adam Gase is still there at 0-12. And did you not learn or did you not realize that Sam Darnold is actually a capable quarterback from what he's done with the Jets and that maybe tanking for Trevor isn't overall the smartest thing for this team? Because if you trade Sammy for what he's not valued for, you're just going to be in the same hole with Trevor Lawrence in maybe two to three years.
1: I mean, you heard my rant the first time. So yeah, you're setting this question up very well. So I'll go through this piece by piece. So the first thing I said to you was about the Greg Williams firing, right? And, um, you know, being that you're a millennial, I put it in terms you would understand by using Harry Potter as the reference. And I basically said that, in my opinion, Greg Williams was the uh, last crux that uh, Adam Gase had out there. So now Adam Gase has no more protection. And at the end of the season, hopefully the jet front office can kill him and put him out the pasture. And he can forever be uh, the guy who he who, will, he who will not be named or whatever the hell it is. From that he was taken out.
0: He was old yeller. Greg Williams looks kind of like old yeller when you think about it. Wait, I got a question. That's a dated reference. So
1: when Williams was in Cleveland, everybody busted his balls because he put Jabril Peppers back there as a single high safety all the time. And they yelled at him for playing a safety deep like 30 yards off the line, right? So now he comes to the Jets and he says, well, if nobody <laughs> wants to play the safety, I'm just going to go all out blitz on a 99 percentile play. Next gen stats, no other team at the end of a game with a game on the line from like 30 to 50 yards out decided to blitz in that exact same situation with no safeties back. It has literally not happened all season long to any other team because every other team has competent coaches and defensive coordinators who understand why you don't go all-out blitz at the end of a game like that because you leave yourself open to exactly what happened in that situation. All you had to do was put one guy back and you would have been fine. So Greg Williams, the one time in your life, When you should have had a single high safety 30 yards back there, you didn't do it. And you lost your job because of it, you moron. So there you go. Now, on to the Sam Darnold question now. Yes. Basically, I don't know if you remember the Sam Darnold trade that brought him to New York in the first place. The Jets had to trade up to get Darnold, and they traded up with the Indianapolis Colts. And they gave up, like, They swapped first. They gave up a second. They gave up like another second, I think, the next year or something like that. And all those picks were the picks that the Colts used to build this team that they have right now. Beef up the offensive line, get the defensive players, get all that in there. So what I said to you is Sam Darnold is not the problem with the Jets. The fact that he needs to stay healthy is a problem. But when he's out there on the field, he's not that bad of a quarterback. Now, again, I don't want to overemphasize what he did last week. Because the Oakland Raiders' defense is one of the worst fucking defenses in the league. So you're supposed to tear up the Oakland Raiders. But I don't think you're going to get more than a third-round draft pick for trading Sam Darnold right now. And to me, that's not going to help you enough build around Trevor Lawrence. You look at the teams that have had success recently by drafting these young quarterbacks, the quarterback has been the last piece of the puzzle, not the first piece. You know, you look at these teams like – Go back to like Russell Wilson with the um, Seattle Seahawks. They drafted Russell Wilson when they still had a good line and a good running game with Marshawn Lynch and a great defense on the other side. They put him in a position to succeed where they had solid players around them and they just needed him not to make mistakes and and not to have to do it all himself. Mm -hmm. The same thing with the Chiefs, right? The Chiefs had a tailor-made team with Alex Smith as quarterback and then they brought Patrick Mahomes in let him sit for a little bit and then handed him the keys to, you know, a Ferrari that was already out there and he just took off and we all know what happened there. You look at Carson Wentz on the flip side of this, the Eagles line is falling apart. Their skill position players were on like declining and towards the end of their career, they brought in some more old guys who aren't really around and Carson Wentz just got benched for Jalen Hurts. And this is my biggest fear with, you know, the jets going out there, You're getting a third round pick for Sam Darnold if you try to trade him to go get Trevor. You don't have a good line to put in front of Trevor, so how is he going to do any better than Sam Darnold did? You don't really have great skill position players, although the the receivers are okay right now. And you don't have a good defense to put behind them. So you're putting this kid in a position to fail, just like you did with Sam Darnold. And Sam Darnold's gonna wind up being Ryan Tannehill. He's gonna go to some other team who's gonna get him for a third round pick and They're going to realize, hey, this kid's actually pretty good when you give him time to throw and you give him skill position guys that can actually go out there and make plays. And he's only 23 years old. So I would rather see the Jets take the route that Indianapolis did. You're going to be able to get a King's Ransom for Trevor if you really want it. Mm -hmm. Take the King's Ransom, fill in a bunch of the other holes that you have. Keep Sam Darnold around. Maybe you even get him for a discount because he really hasn't done shit up to this point in his career. I think that's just such a better way to build a team than to go out and grab Trevor Lawrence and have him handing the ball to fucking 45 year old Frank Gore next year. Like it just doesn't make any sense to me. You're going to get this kid killed just like you get Darnold killed by not having anybody in front of him who can block.
0: A thousand percent. And I did tell you, I did feel confident enough in Joe Douglas that maybe he'll be able to pull that deal off, but it definitely can't be with Adam Gase there. And I think the issue is that normally happens is when you get rid of the coach and you change everything, you kind of want to, get a new guy in there and get him with a quarterback. So it's hard to walk him off that ledge. But if you get a guy that is bought into that idea, then I think it could coincide. But there is a lot of work to be done for the New York Jets. And my God, I'm concerned. I'm overly concerned for you guys because you're going to get Mekhi Beckton killed. He's a great lineman. I think he's a great pick. I think he was a nice guy. He's going to get killed too.
1: Dude, he's a mountain. Yeah. Like he takes up the entire side of the <laughs> he's, he's he's huge he's all you know he could be very very good but this is what I this is what I'm saying if you trade let's say you trade Trevor Lawrence right you drop back five six seven eight wherever the pick happens to be for who wants the quarterback right like so you trade back a couple places you get the second rounder you get another second next year maybe another fourth or fifth this year now you can fill in a bunch of holes you got holes on both sides of the ball you need an you need upgrades on the line you need upgrades at that skill positions
0: you need a defense now We
1: traded half the fucking defense away this year yeah. so like there, there are holes everywhere Lawrence is a great player I'm not saying I don't want him I'm not saying I would to be happy but he can't do it by himself and there are so many more needs that this team has that to me the best thing to do with that number one pick if anybody's willing to trade you the king's ransom for it take it
0: yeah I, I think Lawrence can help out any team but the fact of the matter is the jets already have a quarterback there and he's young enough that you really don't need to do all that with the one, one. I mean, if you have the positioning for it, get that Kings ransom and run away with it. But I think it comes down to the coach, man. They got to make a a really good decision at head coach. And I don't know. I don't know what Joe Douglas is going to do. I, it's it's insane that Adam Gase is the head coach of the Jets I'm gonna be honest it's it's amazing uh, I'm it's,
1: not gonna I'm not gonna be
0: shocked if he's back
1: next year I I oh like God. people think I'm crazy when I say it but I'm not gonna be shocked if he's back next year because for whatever reason they love him like I mean what's his name uh not Woody Johnson whatever fuck his son's name is Chris Johnson I think yeah It like, came out a couple of weeks ago and was like oh no we still have faith in this guy I was like, the fucking we talk. what the fuck is this guy done to show you that you should have faith in him? They've been, like, a,
0: I, they've been competitive in maybe four games, Max. Maybe. Yeah,
1: I, I, I don't get it. I don't get it. I mean, it's <laughs> listen, dude, I've been a Jets fan my whole life, and it's this is nothing new to me. This is nothing new.
0: Well, Benny, I'm sorry we went down that road to end the show, but I needed to get it on record. I needed to talk about it. I feel like it was therapy for you again, because there's not enough talking about it. When you're O-12... There's no words to even describe it. There's not enough words in the English dictionary to describe that. But you're going through it as a Jet fan. But I appreciate you sticking around and going through this with me for a second time. This was fun. I enjoyed it. I thought the second time was even better. I hope the people at home who never heard the first one think the same thing.
1: Yeah, but they did miss out on my five favorite cities in the world.
0: They did. They did. Do you want to give them a rundown again?
1: You want to talk yeah, them real quick? We'll do it one more time. The, the first time we were talking about Miami, which is how it started. But it's Miami, Las Vegas, New York. Amsterdam and Paris. And
0: most fine. of them are self-explan- uh, self-explanatory on why you would like those cities, but Paris is romantic. So, I guess that's the reason you like that, right?
1: Uh, yeah, cuz I'm such a hopeless romantic. <laughs> Paris, honestly, Paris Paris is a really Paris. Is a, see, the thing I like I've about been, I've been to
0: is, Paris, yeah. The
1: other the other thing that all these cities have in common is that like I don't sleep. I'm I I'm, I'm, I'm like an insomniac. And you could go out in all these cities like pretty yeah. much for the wee hours of the morning. So, that's why they're five of my favorite cities, and also for a lot of other reasons that uh, I'm sure a lot of you can figure out by the cities I
0: mentioned. I ate frog legs in Paris. They were actually pretty good. Dude, the, the uh, what
1: do they call those things? The crepes? The crepes that they make on the corners everywhere? Dude, I oh, like. Yeah. I would wake up in the morning just to go get one. Just like, no, more caramel, more caramel. Just keep pouring it on there. Like, I'm yeah, powdered sugar.
0: <laughs> Give me all the powdered sugar. Yeah, I just, amazing. Bit,
1: Yeah, line that shit up. That shit is good. No, nah, Paris, Paris is a cool town. My second favorite city in uh, Europe after Amsterdam
0: and you told me that we're going to take a trip to Amsterdam. Oh yeah. Anyone else who wants to come with us as listening legitimately
1: legitimately anytime you want to go. Well, this is what they missed from the first one, so I'll go through it quick. Here's why Amsterdam is the, is my favorite <laughs> city in Europe. They you fly into the airport in Amsterdam. One side is the airport, the other side of the room is the train station. So it's the easiest place in the world to get around. You you literally get off your plane, you walk out, you take a piss, you walk outside and you're right there where you can get on your train to go wherever it is that you're going to go there. The other thing I love about it is everybody speaks English because everybody from England takes their quote unquote holiday over in Amsterdam and, you know, goes over there. So no matter where you are, especially in like the red light district or like the parts where you're going to be hanging out and partying, everybody speaks English. So anything that you need, you go to other places in Europe. If you don't speak any other languages, sometimes you you have a little bit of trouble communicating unless somebody in your group like speaks it pretty fluently you do you never have that problem in uh, in Amsterdam and then plus it's like the city that's like tailor-made for me i i'm addicted to espresso and marijuana it's like the two things you can find basically anywhere you go in Amsterdam and then after you walk out of any one of these coffee shops there's like 35 different places to eat over there depending on what you want there's pizzerias there's like random places that have uh french fries with uh, mayonnaise on it from like you know pulp Fiction. And then there's like, you know, all these places that have like bakeries and everything else, like steaks, like whatever kind of food you want is somewhere around there in the red light district. So yeah, Amsterdam, definitely a cool town. Lots of stuff to do over there. Not too expensive compared to some of the other, like yeah, not. Or London or, you know, Berlin or something like that. Very, uh, very, very cool town. And like I said, anytime you want to go, bro, I'm down for a weekend trip to Amsterdam, literally anytime you want to go.
0: Open invitation too. I mean, I'm down whenever as well. Obviously we have the pandemic on our hands with Hey, viewers, you let me know. Listeners, tell me. Tell me and Benny. Come join. Come join the squad. There's always room for more. But if we're rolling J's, we're going to have to roll person the, the,
1: the problem is we can't do anything right now. So even if we have a big week, it's not like we could be like, yo, next week we're going to Amsterdam because we just won a bunch of money this week. It's like, <laughs> I, can't even, I can't even leave the fucking house now without, uh, without, without, without the government's permission, you know?
0: Yeah. And Christmas is around the corner. You're just going to end up spending it on something. You probably back don't. That's what I'm
1: mean. gonna do, bro. Amazon. It's gonna go on Amazon. It's gonna go to my <laughs> PayPal account, and then it's gonna go to Amazon to buy like my kids something for Christmas or whatever.
0: <laughs> well, enjoy Christmas. You'll be back on next week, probably. So I don't. I can tell you, Merry Christmas at a different date. But you know what? Happy holidays. I think there might be a holiday coming up. Happy holidays, Benny. Um, and I'll talk to you soon. Thanks for coming on, man. Yeah, anytime. That interview with Benny Richardi was brought to you by. BetOnline.ag. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. All right, as always, big shout-out, big thank you to Benny Ricciardi for coming on the show. Be sure to follow him at BennyR11. Turn those notifications on. He's always on the gambling grind. He's always on that fantasy grind. So listen to what he has to say. Guys, thank you for tuning in. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at NYFootballPod as well as myself at Tina Rodriguez with a double underscore. Like, download, rate, and subscribe on all podcast platforms. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, and the Believe website. Guys, stay safe, be safe, love you all, talk to you soon.